Hello, and welcome to the Professional Outsider Podcast. I'm Megan Herndon. On this show, we discuss leadership strategies, the handoff of leadership to the next generation, and a whole lot more. Hey, Randy. Um, We're happy to be recording with you here today. Um, And our topic for today is servant leadership. Um, So to start us off today, can you just tell me what is servant leadership? Well, first of all, hi, Megan. Always a pleasure to get some time to chat about things that are important in the realm of leadership. So uh, servant leadership, there was a book written by Robert Greenleaf, oh, it's been about 25 years ago now, that uh, was about the concept of servant leadership. Uh, In reality, servant leadership for sure existed back in biblical times and maybe even before. Uh, And the concept is the idea of serving others. And uh, one of the things that Greenleaf talks about is it's really a calling to want to serve others. And when you think about many leaders in business, people end up being leaders for a variety of reasons. You know, they they accept the job of uh, being the boss of somebody, you know, when they're asked to. And sometimes they're asked to because they were really good in some technical aspect of doing a job. So a good uh, machinist becomes the supervisor of the machinist, eventually the manager of the machinist, and then maybe on up the ladder. Or a person who has good sales numbers becomes the sales manager, vice president of sales, etc. And uh, in those cases, uh, if the person doesn't have a feeling of servant leadership, they're doing it for money, they're doing it for prestige, uh, they're doing it for a sense of achievement, but they may be confused about just who they serve. Mm -hmm. After 25 years in business and many years before that uh, on the corporate ladder in multiple Fortune 500 companies, I can tell you the best leaders I've known were the leaders who actually saw themselves as serving others. And every leader understands, every senior leader anyway, understands that you serve shareholders. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't make money for your owners, all bets are off. Uh, And uh, the owners who are also leaders, i.e. the people who run their own businesses, very well understand that if they aren't profitable, they don't have the ability to do the good work that they may want to do in the world. The servant leader understands that not only do I serve shareholders, not only do I serve customers, but I also serve my people. And I've heard uh, leaders frequently talk about the people who work for them. And absent a philosophy of servant leadership, those words are kind of misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And I think there are some leaders, not particularly good ones in reality, who don't understand that their people really don't work for them. The people on their team really don't work for them. Yes, you may provide a paycheck. You may sign the paycheck, and people work for the paycheck provided by you or the organization you work for. But if you're not the owner of the company, even if you're a senior leader, you are an employee of the shareholders as are lower level of employees. And the more that you are able to serve the needs of employees as you serve the needs of shareholders and the needs of customers, the more likely you are to earn what I'll call discretionary effort. Mm -hmm. People do what they have to to keep their jobs. You know, people understand what the job description is. They understand what they're supposed to do within that job description. People will do it. And that's the fair exchange for the paycheck. The best leaders are able to create something extra special that makes people want to give discretionary effort. I would say some of those leaders who really understand that and really practice serving the people who 
together with them serve shareholders, serve customers, they create something a little more magical mm -hmm. than just coming to work every day for a paycheck. You know, when we think about the uh, characteristics of a high-performing leader, one is having a vision. Well, you can have a vision whether you serve your people or not. You can have a vision for the future, and it can be a powerful vision for the future, one that people want to be a part of. Second characteristic of a high-performing leader is the ability to engage people to help make that vision a reality. If you want to engage people to help make the vision a reality, you are more likely to do so if you really serve those people, understand them, understand their needs, know how to engage them to make something better happen. Trust. The best leaders build communities of trust. One of the ways you build a community of trust is by treating your people like they are important serving your people, making sure that your mission is to make it easier for them to do the work they need to do. I love a quote by Peter Drucker. He said, much of what we call management consists of making it more difficult for people to do their work. And I think that's true. I think servant leaders understand that reality and accept the accountability for making it easier for people to do the work they need to do in serving customers and serving shareholders. Absolutely. Um, and what are some of the benefits of creating this type of culture in the workplace? The biggest benefit is that leaders have to earn discretionary effort. Mm -hmm. They have to earn the extra effort that causes somebody to stay when it's time to go home, that causes somebody to uh, uh, do something over the weekend that serves the business, that serves the team, that serves the customer. They earn that effort. Uh, the other thing that servant leaders do that is of great benefit to the business is they create communities of trust where people mutually feel an accountability and share an accountability to the business, to the team, and to each other. Mm -hmm. And what are some ways that leaders can do that, big ways or small ways? Leaders who haven't accepted that that is something that um, speaks to them, mm -hmm. something they can internalize and really feel that is a part of their role, probably can't do it if their lives depended on it. You know, if you tell people to be a servant leadership, we can teach the characteristics of that. We can coach people to get better at it, but it really comes from the heart. It comes from the type of person that a leader is, in my opinion. And what are some ways that leaders can create that sense? You talked a little bit about working just for a paycheck rather than working for a bigger idea or a bigger vision and mission. Um, how can leaders create that vision and that sense of belonging for their teams? So let's step back a minute. Most every leader who's ever had a leadership class or psychology class knows about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's essentially a tri triangle, and at the bottom of the triangle is survival. Mm -hmm. You have to have air to breathe. You have to have something to eat. You have to have water to drink. Uh, and uh, those are basic survival things that everybody has to have or you die. And at the top of the pyramid is self-actualization. So I like a simplified version of that that uh, Patrick Lincioni does, and he says there are three things that are key. One is survival, and so let's take it to a business context. People work because they have to survive. They have to have a paycheck. They have to have some benefits. They have to be able to take care of their family. That's entry-level stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, leaders shouldn't brag about the fact that they do that unless they do it better than everybody else because you're not going to get decent people in the door without paying people fairly, without having a decent benefit plan, and uh, you know, without uh, providing those basic survival needs that people need to pay their mortgage, to keep their family intact, et cetera, from a financial standpoint. Um, second thing is uh, a sense of belonging. The best leaders who understand servant leadership 
create a sense of belonging. So people feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. By, by being a part of my team as a leader, there's something special about that. Maybe it's not just because our team's cool and it's fun to be a part of and we do fun things. Maybe it's because uh, we're doing something that's profoundly significant. Maybe mm-hmm. it's because I treat my people like they are really important as human beings, not just cogs in the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I treat my people like they really are important to the mission. They're important to me personally and their health, their success, and uh, their lives are important to me. I really take ownership in helping them achieve their objectives, achieve their goals. So that sense of belonging that I'm a part of something bigger than myself is one of the things that exists in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So the third thing I want to to mention is the sense of becoming. Mm -hmm. And that's the self-actualization thing. So can I be my best self being a member of a team that's led by you? Or can somebody be their best self being a member of a team that's led by me? How do I help that happen? How do I contribute to learning and growth? How do I help people uh, be better tomorrow than they were yesterday? And the interesting dichotomy here is that um, business leaders understand what I'll call the hard stuff of business. Mm -hmm. If you're a senior executive, you're not going to survive if you can't balance the books. You know, if your revenues aren't greater than your expenses, you're not going to last too long. We understand those things that have clear mathematical metrics associated with them because we can measure them. We can measure progress, et cetera. And um, one of the things I read recently is that 98% of business leaders' effort goes into those things because they're tangible. Mm -hmm. They're the things that the shareholders care about. There's the things that Wall Street cares about. The leaders that lead from a servant perspective, dedicate more than the remaining 2% to building us a good organizational culture, a healthy organizational culture, which is largely what servant leadership's about. A great business is half financial metrics and traditional business, uh, measurable business performance. Half is building a culture that the best people want to be a part of. Employee retention is a huge deal in the future. The best and brightest aren't going to work for subpar organizations. Mm -hmm. When the economy uh, um, went off the cliff right at the end of the last decade, I was talking to a CEO, and and he said uh, that uh, my employees are just happy to have a job. And I told him, I said, you know, Larry, that's got a shelf life. Mm -hmm. Your lousy employees may be happy, happy to have a job. You know, the employees that aren't real marketable may be happy to have a job, but even they're going to go where things are different, where they're cared for, where their leadership demonstrates some caring when the market gets better. So don't fool yourself. And say that somebody who's listening to this podcast is the leader of a team and they think maybe their employees are, they do fall into the category of people who are just coming to get a paycheck. What are a few things that they can do to change that culture? You know, when we talk about servant leadership, And when we talk about leaders who care about their people, sometimes we get misinterpreted as being soft. Mm -hmm. And that's not it at all. There is a return. It's not as tangible as hard financial numbers, but building a healthy organization definitely has a return in terms of uh, employee retention, employee turnover, being able to get and keep the best people. When you have somebody on your team who is not a performer, who isn't meeting commitments, who is dead weight, they need to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they're fired immediately, but I'm saying there's a heart-to-heart discussion that happens. 
And really, it should start as a part of the hiring and onboarding process. You know, if you want motivated people, hire motivated people and don't do stupid things that demotivate them. That's kind of a basic, uh, and it's tongue-in-cheek, but not really. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think one of the discussions that should happen on the onboarding of a new employee is, Megan, really happy that you've joined the company. We're really glad to have you here. We really look forward to a long and mutually beneficial relationship. And we're going to do everything we can to support you and make sure you'll be successful in this organization. If any time along the way you feel that we as your leadership or this organization as a business is not meeting that commitment, I really need you to speak up and come to me. And I guarantee I will be open to whatever you have to say. Converse to that, if there's ever a time when you're not meeting your commitments to the business, when uh, there's things that you have committed to do that aren't getting done in alignment with deadlines and commitments, if there's ever a time when you're not being a positive and productive member of the team, we're gonna come to you and have the same discussion. And if there are things that are broken, we're going to do our best to fix them. If uh, it's just a time for us to part the ways, we're going to shake hands and part ways. So you spoke a little bit earlier. You said something along the lines of 98% of business is the financial numbers and making sure that your shareholders are happy. But sometimes you have to go beyond um, you know, that extra 2% to build a culture of employees who are really thriving and who are doing great work. Um, how can you balance meeting your team's needs through so, uh, through servant leadership while also doing what's best for the company, uh, whether that's financial or otherwise? I think there's several things. One, let's, let's understand here, you have got to meet the numbers. All bets are off. You can't do great things to make the world better. You can't uh, change the world. You can't uh, do the things that you may want to do from your heart if the business isn't profitable. So... That's a, you can't miss it. You've got to do that. Uh, I think what happens sometimes is to do that may take the lion's share of the time. And for a leader who is comfortable with that, and and honestly, many leaders are much more comfortable with the hard business aspects. Mm -hmm. That's what they teach in in graduate school. You know, much more energy goes into that than teaching people how to build a positive, high-performing, healthy organizational culture. Uh, I think, you know, if you're trying to change an unhealthy culture, 2% isn't going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Even if you're trying to maintain an already healthy culture, 2% isn't enough. And I think one of the def- defaults that tends to happen, even for those leaders who are committed to building a strong, healthy culture, is uh, the work goes into defining what that might look like. Mm-hmm. And the work goes into talking about what's broken and needs to be different. And the team gets set up to deal with that and to be better in the future than they've been in the past. And there's a structure that's put together to make sure the team is actually getting together and working on that. And then pretty quick, when the team gets together, there's a default to the 98% stuff. There's a default to why we missed a deadline. There's a default to what's broken from a production standpoint. There's a default to these things that we're more comfortable with, things that are measurable and tangible, numbers. And the team doesn't spend the time working on the team itself, which is really where the energy has to go if you're going to create a high-performing, healthy culture based on teams. If you're a servant leader um, and you spend most of your time serving everybody else, um, who serves the servant? How can you, you know, make sure to, while still serving your team, just maintain a healthy um, work balance for yourself as well? Being the top dog is a lonely place. <laughs> You know, for the man or woman who runs the business, it can be a very lonely place. 
Uh, and uh, people find outlets through friends, through colleagues. Uh, Vistage is an organization of senior executives that uh, sponsors a uh, program where senior executives join Vistage and they go to monthly meetings with other senior executives where they have an outlet of people they can talk confidentially with about business challenges. Yeah. Um, and, you know, forgive the advertisement, but senior executives hire people like me, mm-hmm. you know, to have somebody to talk with about real business issues, about challenges of building an organizational culture, uh, things they can't really talk with their superiors, really can't have some of the times, types of things we talk about, they can't really talk with the board about. Uh, and they also can't talk with employees about it. even their top teams. Some things they really need an outsider to be able to bounce things off of. So, you know, if you're the CEO, there's two options. Give me a call. And if you're interested in Vistage, I'll connect you with some of my friends that are in that business also. Sounds good. Um, and are there any downsides to implementing servant leadership as opposed to other types of leadership styles? Well, you know, I, I guess maybe I'm a, a bit binary in this. But I see authoritarian leadership mm-hmm. as the opposite. You know, people are here, they work for me, they'll do as they're told. Well, you know, you can only fool yourself with that belief for so long. Mm-hmm. And the best and brightest will not. They won't do what they're told for very long. And if you, it, it, a lot of it has to do with building a culture of commitment versus a culture of compliance. Authoritarians try to build a culture of compliance. You know, big, tough, aggressive uh, senior executives, tough on people, has high expectations, which, by the way, I agree and believe in high expectations. We just may, I may differ with an authoritarian leader on how to achieve those high expectations. In the moment, a tough authoritarian boss may get a short-term result. I don't believe they build healthy organizational cultures. People want to know, as I said before, they want to know that their boss is committed to people being a part of something bigger than themselves. And people want a boss that they feel has some commitment to their success, learning and growth. And so that's where an authoritarian, short-term, good results, long-term, difficult person to work for or with, as the case may be. Yeah. And I guess I kind of uh, uh, contradicted myself a little bit there saying work for because people don't work for authoritarians so much as they try to avoid being in the crosshairs of authoritarians. It's hard to make the transition, particularly if you've been successful to a degree as an authoritarian leader and gotten promotions and risen to the top. You know, that's pretty good reward for leading in a certain way. And some cultures, that's the way the organizations are. Uh, I believe that the best and brightest of the future, uh, and I believe the best and brightest of always, have preferred to work in organizations where they felt that their leader had their back, mm-hmm. where they felt that their leader had a commitment to their success, where they felt that the leader had a commitment to them moving forward and living the lives that they wanted to lead. Um, and for anyone listening to this podcast who wants to start implementing servant leadership tomorrow, um, what are a few things they can do? Uh, you know, I think Greenleaf's book is a good starting point. I mm-hmm. uh, think also it's good to understand that there is no silver bullet that makes you a servant leader tomorrow. It's hard work if you're transitioning. And I think that one of the key elements is self-awareness. You know, how is the way in which you lead today 
serving you? What are the results you're getting? Are you happy with those? Are you willing to try something new and different? And are you willing to do the hard work to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I'm really not being the kind of leader that I want to be. I want to be something different. That's tough. It's particularly tough if you have gotten accolades for behaving in a way that's not the way you want to behave going forward. One of the things I want to reiterate, though, is that servant leader doesn't mean soft leader. The best servant leaders have high expectations. The best servant leaders create cultures where there's crystal clarity around what those expectations are in terms of uh, um, producing results, in terms of behavior, in terms of contribution to the team. And they also are very good at creating a high level of unity between people. That's that sense of belonging that we talked about before. That's not soft. A servant leader can have a difficult discussion with an underperforming employee and will have that discussion just as an authoritarian leader would. They'll have the discussion differently though. They will come into the discussion with the intention of helping the person learn and grow and do better next time, where the authoritarian leader may come into the discussion with an intention of beating the person into submission. You can't build a high-performing culture if your tradition is to beat people up. It just doesn't work well. It's an abuse of power. The tough leader sets clear objectives. They can be very ambitious, very aggressive objectives. And creates a system of accountability so people really are accountable for meeting objectives. The tough leader uh, can be a servant leader and they set tough objectives for themselves also and hold themselves accountable. Some of the objectives a tough leader who's trying to be a servant leader may have is around their changes in behavior. Different than the hard side of meeting numbers and creating more revenue, adding new customers, et cetera. But you know, how am I gonna hold myself accountable to becoming more of a servant leader? because I believe that that's who I want to be. I believe that my business will be more successful if I serve not only my customers, not only my shareholders, but if I serve my employees, if I serve the people who are part of helping me be successful, because I can't be successful by myself. So I'd like to end on that note and just say that give it some thought. If that's not your current calling, if that's not what's in your heart right now, think about it. Where would you like to be in terms of working for a leader, with an authoritarian or with a leader who had a servant philosophy and who was going to serve you in your career and in your job? Thanks again for your thoughts today, Randy. And thanks to all of you out there listening to our show. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, share it on social media, and tell your friends about it. If you're interested in bringing the professional outsider to your workplace, learn more at www.route2results.com.